Hello, and welcome to the Cherry Hills Church Podcast. My name is Jenny Elliott, and I'm joined by the amazing Luke Martin. This is our second episode in our podcast series all about prayer, based on questions you are asking. If you have a question about prayer you want to submit to us, or if you're looking for other resources about prayer, you can visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org slash deargod to find the link and send us a question. We want to name some of the common questions in this podcast series that we all have about prayer and process through those together. So let's dive right into our questions. The first one is what is something you do at the beginning of every prayer, like physically or what do you think of? What do you say? Well, Luke, my mornings usually start with a big bottle of water, my vitamins and a hot cup of coffee. I move to the couch where I sit in silence and invite the Lord's presence, guidance and intervention into my day intentionally, taking some deep breaths and acknowledging him. Each day varies a bit, but typically I read a portion of the Bible. Right now I'm in the Gospels, specifically John. And after that, I pick up my journal and write down what was standing out to me in my reading, usually a specific verse, whatever was rising to the surface. Some days I then move to writing out my prayers. This is actually a very simple way to pray that I would suggest for anyone, especially with those of you who have scattered thoughts. Um, No matter where you are in your prayer journey, this is a good way to start. But it's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. And I think it was Jeff that added an extra S to that. So I do that one too. A stands for adoration. It's just general praise, um, why I'm adoring the Lord that day. It usually involves looking out the window for me at what season we're in and just acknowledging our creator. C stands for confession. It's a great way to confess my sins and to allow the Lord to search me so that I can confess those things. T is thanksgiving. It's giving thanks to the Lord for his goodness. It's giving thanks to the Lord for his provision, um, whatever he leads me to kind of pray that day. S is supplication or requests. And the additional S is surrender. This follows a similar model to the Lord's prayer. And it puts me in the frame of mind to just really adore the Lord and rejoice in him first and foremost. I'm one of those heretics who prays in the morning without coffee. So I don't know if you want to trust what I have to say on this one. But for me, I either sit in my dining room uh, table at, you know, at a chair or by the window. Um, having a consistent space is helpful. But as far as physically, I typically have like both feet on the floor, try to sit in relaxed position, but not slouched, um, loosely hold my palms open or just, you know, fold my hands together in a typical kind of prayer posture. And some mornings I'll light a candle, not always, um, but I do tend to pray with my eyes closed, except on occasion when I'm trying to focus, you know, my eyes on the flame of the candle. But I don't want to be looking around the room. I don't want my phone dinging and, and buzzing. So I want a, you know, a concentrated physical environment, right? And then there's a variety of things that I do when I pray. But one of the constants for me is I always begin with silence. Like I hate feeling rushed and discombobulated when I pray. So I've got to slow down. And then once I've got my breathing under control, I pray softly, uh, typically out loud, if I, if, you know, if I can, um, and I'll, I'll start with some pre-written words. So a lot of what I typically pray, you can find in different places in uh, the Book of Common Prayer. But often the intro, the, you know, the spoken intro for me is uh, from the Book of Common Prayer. Father God, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Israel, God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, true and living God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, have mercy and hear our prayer. And so I'll recite some scripture, some other words. Uh, right now, I've been trying to memorize one of Paul's prayers in Ephesians 3. So I'll do that, practice that. I'll recite Psalm 23, 
And I just pray whatever's on my heart. Sometimes I've got a lot, sometimes a little, but that's then kind of the place for, you know, petition and intercession and such. Um, so for me, you know, the morning is just, it, it's about trying to have a space of quiet, of stillness, of intimacy with God, where I can experience some formation and just begin the day. Well, I love that. Um, when I go back to this question that was asked, I'm not sure exactly if this, um, listener was asking about individual prayer or corporate prayer or intercession, but the question was, what is something you do at the beginning of every prayer? And one thing that has really helped me in the last couple of years is I picked this up from um, Moving Mountains, which is a book by John Eldridge about prayer. But he invites you to do something when you're interceding for someone else. So whether it be over the phone that I'm praying for someone in person with someone, it's pausing to say out loud as I go to pray for that person, Lord, what do you want to say to whoever the person is that I'm with? And then just allowing some space And oftentimes in that space, as I'm praying for someone else and inviting the Lord to speak to them, something will shift. Um, A scripture may come to mind or may come to their mind, but it's reminding me that the Lord is the one um, interceding on their behalf. And I'm just a tool in that process. So when it comes to praying for others, I have found that practice to be very helpful. So our next question which I can't wait to hear you answer, Luke, is do you address your prayers to God or to Jesus? Um, another person asked a similar question. They said, is there any scriptural instruction for who specifically we should pray to? Always to the Father, to the Son, ever to the Holy Spirit? If more than just the Father, are there kinds of prayers directed to each? So I do love this question. It's this is like a great, robust Trinitarian sort of question. So can't wait. <laughs> the, the short answer, I think, is that no, there's not a rule about you know which person of the Trinity to direct our prayer to. We can pray to all persons of the Trinity, knowing that whether we direct our prayers to the Spirit, the Son, the Father, we're still praying to the one God. Now that said, the Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Spirit. So we can address them in prayer individually and and directly, right? So um, the opening section of the Athanasian Creed, I find kind of helpful here. I'm just going to read this for us. It says, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another and that of the Holy Spirit still another. But the divinity of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit is one. Their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. So in other words, we have one God, three distinct persons. So we can pray specifically to uh, each person of the Trinity, knowing that we're all praying to God and yet still not confusing their persons, right? So that said, biblically speaking, right, the pattern of the New Testament is typically that we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit or, or by the Spirit. So what this means is that the spirit is the source of our prayers. The son is the authority of our prayers, the one who gives us access to the father. And the father is the benefactor and the addressee, the one we're typically directing our prayers to. So if you look in uh, John, John's gospel chapters 14 through 16, you'll find a whole section of Jesus' teaching that's richly Trinitarian that gives us uh, a good insight into the different work of each person of the Trinity, how they're all doing something together, but you know, within the economy of redemption, within God's work of salvation, how they're each playing a unique part. 
So Jesus says that we pray in his name to the father, which is, you know, what we'll see in the Lord's prayers as well in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, but that the spirit will guide us into truth and glorify Jesus. So when we're praying in Jesus's name to the father, what this means is that he is our mediator. He's the authority by which we have access to the father. Paul writes in first Timothy two, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. So mediation here means like that Jesus sort of grants the meeting, not that he um, delivers the mail, right? So Jesus specifies this in John 16. He says, I am not saying I will ask the father on your behalf because the father himself loves you. And you could spend some time and, and meditate on, on the, the significance and the goodness of that phrase that the father himself loves you. But what Jesus is saying is that we aren't playing a game of telephone where Jesus is in the middle. He's not relaying our messages, but he is giving us access by his blood, by his presence to God, the father. And then the spirit is interceding, groaning, praying in us, through us. Uh, he's the one who's sort of preparing and cultivating the heart and the posture of prayer within us. In Romans 8, Paul says, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit intercedes for God's people according to the will of God. So all that to say, the reason the pattern for prayer um, is in the spirit through the son to the father is because this is a depiction of the way that Jesus intercedes for us and gives us his spirit who produces prayer within us. It's, it's a picture of the gospel. So essentially the spirit bursts this cry in us that says, I want to be with God to delight in his presence and speak with him. And the son answers, ah, oh, this is good. I've already set the table. And the father says, hey, come in. I've longed to receive you and give you what you need. So it's not a rule, but praying this way rehearses the events and the story of the gospel. That is amazing. Thank you so much for that answer, Luke. I love the way that God made your brain. I've told you this before, but I'm very thankful. And um, there's not a lot I need to add to this, but I would just say again, back to the relational nature of just um, getting to know the Lord is also understanding the Trinity in a deeper way. And I've just found over the course of getting to know the Lord more, I find myself addressing the father, for instance, when I'm in awe, I tend to, to just praise God for, um, for what he has made, you know, often when I'm looking at the oceans or the mountains on, a, on any sort of trip and I just am in awe, it's usually directed to God. And I find myself when I am trying to make sense of what's going on in the world or in culture, I find myself crying out, come Lord Jesus, because um, I just long for his return. And then there's something about the nearness of the spirit um, or the fullness of the spirit that I often find um, myself asking when I'm praying to the spirit. And so I really, like you said in the beginning, there's no wrong answer. Um, all, all the God, the son and the spirit, all being Trinitarian, um, all being the same yet distinct is one of those mysteries, but also um, I found to be so beautiful just as we grow um, to know him more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a freedom here. Right. So yeah. Um, our final question for today then that we'll cover is this. How do you keep the consistency of praying when you don't feel the Lord's presence? Wow, this is a great question, right? Because we don't always feel um, feel like we want to do this or feel this amazing mountaintop experience. 
Um, I recall some excellent teaching a few years ago by Aaron Keyes in which he shared um, these circles, one inside of another. And it said on the outer circle, discipline, the next layer, the next circle was desire. And then that bullseye was delight. Um, Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In short, we are always going to feel like praying or giving ourselves to the discipline of sitting before the Lord. But when we come to him, if we press on, it's going to grow that desire to do it again. And that desire finally leads to this delight in just sitting at his feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's encouraging to have words like that from the book of Hebrews too. I think it reminds us that submitting to a discipline, even when it isn't having immediate payoff, right? In the form of productivity or intimacy or whatever, that it's still worth it. And it reminds us that this isn't a new modern problem, right? Uh, there's a pastor um, who I kind of pay attention to in New York named Rich Velatus. And a while back, he was sharing some things he'd learned from a short-term visit to a monastery that he'd had. And he had this conversation with one of the monks there about prayer, where the monk said, one of the things that we do to grow in prayer is to befriend silence and normalize boredom. And the monk went on and he talked about like feeling bored in prayer, which is I mean, he's a monk. He prays like all the time, constantly throughout the day. So it's encouraging to know that this is a common experience, even for people whose lives are so dedicated to prayer. And I think sometimes there's this expectation, right? That at some point you just get good at prayer and the uneventfulness of it goes away and it always feels refreshing and enlivening. Like it's Pentecost all over again. The spirit is present and speaking. And while praying more frequently over time, I do think gives us a sense of a greater intimacy. A lot of people who have been praying a long time would, I think, attest to that. In some ways, I also think prayer is like a marriage. So to mature in your relationship with God, you have to learn how to move out of the honeymoon phase and into the mundane, where there's no emotional high, there's no mountaintop experience. Uh, It's just the normal. And there's this passage in Isaiah 43. It's one of my favorites. Uh, It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So this is God, Yahweh. He's saying to his people, Israel, I'm the one who made the Exodus happen, right? This is what he's referencing. I made the Exodus happen. And you thought that was something? I'm doing something new. Just watch. So often we're fondly remembering the good old days when we felt God's presence and we're trying to go back there. And I would just ask that we consider maybe God wants to move us forward into some new territory. Maybe God wants to do a new thing. Maybe the lack of a sense of God's presence is forming and preparing you to encounter God, participate with him in something that's new and beautiful. So I think the best way to deepen our experience of God's presence is to grow in our awareness that he's always already present. We don't have to conjure his presence. We just have to abide in it. So the worst thing that we could do, uh, attempt to do in prayer is to manufacture a feeling of God's presence. If we try to do that, we might be missing his presence that is right there in the midst of our monotony. Luke, so good. I think we can be reminded today, wherever we are, that we can be aware that he's already present with us. Thanks for that reminder. Well, that's all we've got time for today. 
Next week, we're going to address some questions all in the theme of why prayer prayer matters. It should be some light, light topics to discuss. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and then just what does prayer actually do? Thanks for asking such great questions and we'll be back with you next week.